uh, it says so that right there in step 12. So this is an opportunity for me to, to practice step 12 today, and I'm grateful for that. My name is Christy. I am a compulsive overeater, and this is the part of the meeting where I tell what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. And it says in the big book, our stories disclosed in a general way. So I'm going to try to stay at the general way and not get into the details. Um, my abstinence date is May 27th of 1981. So if I were to get into the details, we could be here a long time. Um, but as to what it used to be like, I believe that I was born a compulsive overeater. Uh, my mom says that when I was a baby, I was a chubby baby. And my among my earliest memories are um, either curled up in a chair or lying on the sofa or the bed with a book and with food. And it wasn't just that I would go to the kitchen and get a snack. I would keep going back to the kitchen to get a snack. Or I eventually figured out that if I got three or five snacks and piled them on top of each other and whisked them away into my room, that I could hide them like under the bed so that there would be plenty there so that if somebody were to walk into the room, they would not be able to see the, 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 the amount of food that I had. When it was my turn to clear the table um, after dinner, um, the, the way that the dining room was set up with relation to the kitchen, I could go behind a swinging door and you wouldn't see me clearing the plates. Um, I was the garbage disposal. I just, all of the food went right into me. I had one experience of being at a normal weight, and that was when I was in high school, and it lasted about 37 seconds. It was that moment when puberty and my height and my weight all got together at the right place at the right time, and it was very exciting. But the disease is not actually about the weight. It's actually about something else entirely. And I, I missed that memo. I, I did not understand that. So that was very exciting, but I didn't know how to maintain that. That was in high school. So um, when I was in college, I had my one experience of dieting. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't wake up one morning and said, I don't want to be this weight anymore. I woke up one morning and said, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I, I so I, what did I know, right? I put myself on a 900 calorie a day diet and um, counted calories. When I say I counted them obsessively, I know that there are those among, among us who know exactly what I mean. I can still to this day tell you how many calories there are in many foods. Um, of course I lost the weight, 900 calories a day. I mean, unless I were about this high, um, that's not enough to live on. And I was bicycling to my work at the, at, I was a lifeguard at the reservoir, the town reservoir um, uh, that summer. And so I want you just to imagine for a moment, we were, uh, we were attired in bright red Speedo bathing suits, one piece Speedo bathing suits, and we had international signal orange t-shirts over top and hats and you either had to sit way up there just like on Baywatch in the lifeguards chair up high or more horrifyingly 
they would put me out on a surfboard, also international signal orange, to patrol the outer edge of the swimming area. But there were snapping turtles in the reservoir. And I didn't want to have my little legs dangling down to become food for some snapping turtle. So I was out there splashing the entire time. So here is this rather large, unavoidable, unmissable body out there splashing and drawing attention to herself. Okay. I did, in fact, lose weight um, that summer. But the fat between my ears remained. I did not know how to live life on life's terms. So when I went back to college, I spent some some amount of time studying in Europe uh, while I was in college, and I binged my way across Europe. I can absolutely remember um, standing in line at um, various types of stores and saying to myself, Christy, neither your pocketbook nor your body can afford what you are about to do. And it wasn't your pocket and your, your pocketbook and your body can't afford them, so therefore maybe don't do them. I knew I was good and darn well going to do them. I was going to buy that stuff. I was going to eat that stuff. I, for a period of time um, in the south of France, I lived with some uh, housemates and I stole their clothes. I stole their food because when you borrow something without asking permission, that is stealing. My clothes weren't fitting anymore. So, because I, you know, had gained back all of the weight that I'd lost. So a couple of years after college graduation, or a year after college graduation, um, I was living in California and I decided that I really needed to get into therapy to figure out why I ate. Because I subscribed to the, the, the great white American myth, which is if only I could figure out why I ate, then I would organize my life so that I didn't, none of those things would happen anymore and then I wouldn't have to eat. We have this myth um, in, in, in our culture anyway that, um, that says if you can figure it out, then you can do differently. And, and I'm here to tell you it was a great revelation to me that figure it out is not one of the 12 steps. So in the first or second therapy appointment I had with this woman, I, I did not know that she was a member of, of Overeaters Anonymous. But she said to me, has it ever occurred to you that you have a disease? This had never occurred to me. I had never even thought of such a thing. And so she told me about OA. She told me about meetings. And I was so excited by this that six weeks later, I ran right off to my very first meeting. Now, the first meeting that I went to um, was Saturday mornings. There were 200 people in the room. And these were, you know, face-to-face -face meetings. And... I loved hearing people's stories. It was like watching a soap opera. I was fascinated by people's stories. And they said the answer is in the steps and I nodded my head. I had no more idea than a bunny rabbit what they were talking about, but I nodded my head. I stole the literature because I figured if you really wanted me to get well, you would give me the literature. And you said you really wanted me to get well. I, I did pay for my copy of the big book, uh, but everything else I stole. I didn't get a sponsor because nobody could really understand my very special and unique situation. So I certainly wasn't going to do that. And uh, same thing with making phone calls. I was a very busy, important person. And I would go to these meetings maybe once a week and I would go home and I would cry. 
And my husband at the time would say, you know, you don't, you don't have to go to those meetings. Except that I knew that there was something here that was for me. 11 months after I first walked through the doors, um, in the midst of a binge, which happened nightly, um, I had started out months earlier binging in the living room, starting after work, and then um, got smart. And I realized I could, I could move the TV into the bedroom and just right after work, go to bed um, and binge, be, just be there and not have to budge. And I was so filled with self-loathing that I picked a fight with him. This was not uncommon. And I picked up a knife and I stabbed him. And he, he is still alive. We are no longer married, although that was not actually what brought the marriage to the end. That wasn't even what made me hit my bottom. What made me hit bottom was that he called my therapist and told, and the shame of being outed to that degree was so monumental. And she said to me, if you believe that your safety and security and relaxation is in the refrigerator and in the cabinets, you are delusional and you will have to be either locked up or you will end up in jail or dead. And so I went, I made the commitment that I would go the next day to a meeting. I did. There were seven people at the meeting, including me. There was one sponsor and I did not like her, but I had made this commitment that I would get a sponsor. And so I worked with her for three weeks, at least it was at least three weeks, maybe four, while I started going to other meetings and met other people who were sponsors. I got a food plan. I started just using her food plan. And I will tell you that I eat basically the same way today that I ate back then. Um, I've had a nutritionist, um, I, you know, I work with a nutritionist and the nutritionist, nutritionist has had me add some foods. Um, but that was May 27th of 1981. I'm maintaining a 100 pound weight loss. So how did I do it? I did not. I did not do this. Some power greater than myself, other than the food, did this. All I had to do was keep showing up, using, as the big book will say to us in, in a couple of chapters, the simple kit of spiritual tools that was laid out for us. That's all I had to do every day. I so clearly remember the first morning that I woke up, so that next day, and being absolutely incredulous that I had, that I was abstinent for my first 24 hours. I could not believe it. That had just never happened. So I didn't do it. I used the 12 steps and I used the tools to support my work in the 12 steps. So life as life has a way of doing, certainly in 40 mumble years, um, it kept on going. So I'm just gonna tell you a few of the things that have happened to me in my life and I did not have to eat over them. Um, I was still married to this guy. We can talk about codependence another day. Um, still married to him and we, um, we were, as I said, we were living in California. We decided to move back east, which is where I'm from. I'm from New England. And we came east with no jobs, no place to live, 
I flew east with our cats and, and there were two of them. And he drove the U-Haul with my car on behind it. We landed in central Massachusetts. The first thing I did, because the only thing I had was a list of meetings. The first thing I did was I went to a meeting. And fairly shortly thereafter, I found us a place to live while he was still coming across country. And I got a job and he got a job and we were cared for. Then I was fired some years later. I was fired from um, a job. That was a Kodak moment, I will tell you. Does anybody even say that anymore? I'm not sure anybody. I think if you're of a certain generation, you know what that means. But I think that, you know, the younger, younger folks among us have no idea what I'm talking about. It was not a picture perfect moment. But I remember, and this was one of those jobs where they um, stood over me while I packed up my desk and escorted me out of the building. And we are not talking a Fortune 500 company, my friends. This was a small nonprofit arts organization. I don't know what the heck they thought I was going to steal. There wasn't anything. Um, anyway, I remember packing it up and saying to myself, and all my way home, saying to myself, they can fire me, but they cannot make me eat. I will not eat over this. My husband and I built a home. I can promise you it will take me guns. It will take guns to get me to build a house again. Uh, but we did not, I did not eat. He then, or I started graduate school. Um, and he, you know, within about 10 minutes said that he wanted the marriage to end. He wanted a divorce, um, which by the way, is very predictable. If that's ever happened to you, you are not alone. Um, graduate school was would have been impossible had I not been abstinent. It would have been impossible. My abstinence is I weigh and measure three meals a day from a food and a snack from a food plan that is approved by a nutritionist. I do not eat. I'm here to tell you I'm such a cheap date. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat refined carbohydrates. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do aspartame, I don't do caffeine. I'm missing something that I don't do. No meat, no wheat, no sweet. Those are the primary ones. There was a point where I was in graduate school where I did have a slip with quantity, but I am a compulsive overeater because I eat. I eat because I'm a compulsive overeater. I got you, Terry Joe. Thank you. And I my quantity was rice cakes and plain yogurt. Like this was not sugar or refined carbohydrates. I, you know, I didn't pick up anything, any of what we now call red light foods. Um, it was rice cake, which is, you know, basically it's like eating the styrofoam peanuts in the box, right? But there was something going on and that was what I turned to. I, I have no idea why. Well, I do know why, because I'm a compulsive overeater. So I completed graduate school. While I was in graduate school, I was basically left at the altar and I did not eat. Oh boy, I leaned into my program friends so hard at that point. And then my childhood sweetheart reappeared. And he and I have now been married over 23 years. Um, we've been, we were sweethearts when I was eight and he was nine. He's in recovery in the beverage program. And so we live a program life. So I fell up 
when he reappeared. He was way better than what left me at the altar. I moved to a city to finish my training. I moved, um, I moved to a city that I didn't know and that I hated. And then I moved here. I live in uh, North Carolina. I moved here. Believe me when I tell you that if you had told me 25 years ago I would love living in North Carolina, I would have said you were on crack, but I do. Um, I built up my own business. It was very successful. Um, I have, as I said, sort of kind of maybe retired. So here's to finish up. Here is how I work my program on a daily basis. I get up in the morning. And before I get out of bed, I say the serenity prayer. I recite the first three steps. I recite the third step prayer. I take steps six and seven and list the character defects that I'm asking to be relieved of just for today. And then, excuse me, and then a little later in the day, I'll do 10 minutes of mindfulness meditation. I am super competitive, often with myself. And so I have a I have an app that counts my days. And I'm just up over two years now, every single day, I haven't missed a day. Um, and so that that keeps me going because I'm so competitive with myself. Oh, I want to make it to two years in a month. Um, let's see. At, so I weigh and measure my food. Um, at Breakfast, I have a daily reader and I change them each year. This year it's um, as Bill sees it. Um, it's usually an OA reader, but not always. Um, I have a sponsor. I have sponsees. I limit the number of sponsees, same way I weigh and measure my food, weigh and measure my sponsees. Um, I give service when I'm asked. Um, service, anonymity. I'm missing literature. Yeah, those are my tools. Um, so you can hear that one, two, three, six and seven are there first thing in the morning. And honestly, the serenity prayer and one, two and three go with me throughout the day. I do a 10th step um, on the spot as I go. Um, and my 11th step is part of my morning and my 12th step is I carry the message Having had a spiritual awakening, I carry the message to other compulsive overeaters. I have a life today that is second to none. This is a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. In my faith tradition, we have a monthly query. Um, and for the month of January, it is, what am I grateful for and how do I express that gratitude? And so in our um, hour-long gathering this morning. I, I was meditating on that. And the list of, you know, many of us do an alphabetical gratitude list. I When I can't fall asleep, that's what I do. Um, uh, X is real. J and X are really hard. Those are those are showstoppers for me, but I'm usually asleep by that time anyway. But it's what I want to work on more is expressing my gratitude. This is one way I express my gratitude. But so opening my mouth and saying, I am so grateful for you in my life, to my husband, to my friends. I say thank you, God, pretty frequently throughout the day from anything from, um, uh, you know, finding the, the parking space to um, getting an answer that I was hoping for to a question um, to a family member coming through a health crisis. 
but I would like to work on expressing my gratitude more, um, more verbally out loud so that other people can hear it. So I think I can see Terry Joe leaning forward. I'm looking at my clock. I think that's my time. So I want to end as I end each of my shares by saying, and I mean this sincerely, thank you for helping me to stay abstinent for another 24 hours because I can't do it alone. And thank you for letting me share.